Hey, this is Andy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For this story episode, we're we're going inside. We're we're talking about some basketball. Oh yeah, outdoor sports. Now it's indoor, indoor season. And you know what? It is fitting because basketball's starting to ramp up. Yeah, I got I've got a game tomorrow. Actually, today at the time of this recording. Oh yeah. I mean not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. At the time this episode is released. Mm-hmm. Or that day. I got to get into the mindset. Yeah, it starts now. As the kids say, as the basketball kids say, ball is life. I definitely thought you were going to say ball is in your court. Still, that works. Hey, the ball is in your court. So as you can tell, we are talking about basketball in this episode. (laughs) We're going to be going over how different athletic trainers set up. We're going to be going over kit must-haves, lots of injuries, lots of 911 calls, which is surprising. I've never called 911 for basketball. Well... Shoot, knock on wood, which is the theme of this episode, by the way. Seriously. Um, we talk a lot about blood. We talk about some tips and tricks. Yes. And we also have a very special guest to help us co-host this episode. And who is that? We have Mr. Kyle Burnett, who has extensive basketball experience at the Division One level. So he, I felt like he was definitely the perfect guy to talk basketball with. I think so. Yeah. I- I think that he went over a lot, especially um, with basketball being like I would like to think so different at the different levels. I feel like we mm-hmm. go over a broad variety and yes. not just do one. No, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I think we should get started with a story. Let's do it. All right. First listener story. So this one's anonymous. Actually, a lot of these are anonymous. Maybe people are working basketball and they just... Nobody wants to admit that that's their life. (laughs) Exactly. So this is actually a little bit of a heated topic because um, I feel like... Well, I only posted one question on setup and I probably got as many answers to fill an entire episode just on the way people set up. Interesting. So someone said, I always set it up inside the tunnel... Helped provide patient privacy, had plenty of space, and I was not confined confined by the bench. I had my kit underneath, an ice chest, foam roller, some towels, and a bike, when available, off to the side. It's kind of nice. One way to do it, I suppose. For your setup, are you picky? Like, do you like it? Like, it has to be done a certain way? Uh, Early in my career, for sure, yeah. I used to be very particular with how it was set up. (laughs) where it was set up, what, you know, particular Gatorade was made. And, and as I've, uh, have fewer and fewer students helping me out now that <laughs> I have to do it, um, I, uh, just kind of set it up as quickly and easily as possible. So, uh, I still have some particulars where, mm-hmm. uh, it's got to go in a particular spot of the court, uh, or behind the bench. Um, you know, you have to have certain, certain items in the blood kit, just, in case there is an issue there, um, plenty of cups, plenty of Gatorade, plenty of water, um, you know, and cheap is as simple as, as you can. So, you know, I, it, uh, it depends on the venue obviously mm-hmm. as well, like where you're at. Like when I worked at Fresno state, we had a completely different setup. It was more in that tunnel aspect, uh, on both visiting benches or home and visiting bench. Um, so that, that setup was entirely different. It was a little bit more difficult to then go get the resources that you needed, or you had to go to the tunnel to fill up things. And so, uh, the current where I'm currently at, you know, it's much easier because it's right next to the bench and I just stand there half the time now. (laughs) Nice. That's not bad. Yeah. No, it's not too bad, but that's what I was going to bring up is like where I worked previously, we would set up in between the two benches And there's no way I could do that where I work now. And so I had to like change my setup and someone actually said, uh, this person, um, so Anne S she, I don't know if she works at the high school, a bunch of people said actually that they, that they sit at the score table. And I was so surprised by that because I've never heard that. 
But Anna said, I sit at the scores table, easy to find, can hear and see both benches, great unobstructed view of the court and comfortable seating. And it makes sense. You'll see, uh, you know, obviously my setting has been primarily division one. And so that's far different in a sense to high school and junior college where you're covering both benches. Um, right. We'll have games in which we'll have to cover both sides, but primarily we'll have two athletic trainers uh, taking care of uh, the respective sides, but you'll see a lot of uh, athletic trainers that will sit at the first seat of the bench Hmm. Um, on their on their side, and so you get a great view. Um, well, relatively, because half the time you're staring at the backside of the head coach because he's standing up and and doing what he does during the game. So you get a, an obstructed view. Um, so I can see why sitting at the scores table is a, is actually a good spot, so that you're you know you're not necessarily needed for both teams they're they're self sufficient in the way that they can get the the water and all of that and you can see you know you can uh, you can provide care as needed there so it I looks like, like we way. had about a quarter of our listeners say they sit on the bench with the players but most people sit off to the side and then just behind that they sit behind the players i feel like that's a d1 thing to sit on the bench. Yeah, I think so. Um, partly because you're only taking care of your own team. Right? Yeah. Um, I think I stand a lot of the time now. Um, you know, we've uh, we've shifted from wearing suits to, you know, polos and dress pants. Really? And shoes. And so it's it's just more free. And, uh, and through COVID, I stood the entire time. And now I just kind of continue to do that. Different venues, like if we're in a way, a way school, I'll sit on the bench just because it's just easier. But at home, I'll just I'll just kind of stand and be off to the side. But uh, I've sat behind the bench. Um, okay. At particular times, uh, at the end of the bench, I've never sat at the first seat. Uh, I just didn't want to be that close to the coaches. I guess. I feel that. In that in their realm, um, <laughs> behind the bench was close enough. Um, and it's just hard to get through, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're right behind the bench, sometimes it's hard to get through those chairs. So, um, sitting at the end of the bench, uh, you get a little bit better vantage point, although you're obstructed by the team that stands up half the time anyway. So, right. you know, that's why I stand so I can get a better view of the game and, you know, chit chat with the fans and people that walk by. So plus Kyle sitting's the new smoking. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, stand up and uh, get a little <laughs> exercise and you stretch stretch while and get less nervous during the game. So, <laughs> so so how do you like the switch to now you're going a little little more casual than uh, the old suit suit and tie? Game changer, game. Yeah, um, that might have been the best thing that ever came out of COVID. Uh, we would have certain games that. Mm-hmm. We would wear like if we played in a tournament uh, over Thanksgiving break or something mm-hmm. like that. We would we would wear uh, polos, and uh, that was great. You know, you just feel more free. You're able to move around a little bit better. You're just not so obstructed by the suit and tie. And yeah, while it's great to obviously look professional and mm-hmm. in that regard, but now I mean, the polo is great. Like. Uh, you know, it's just you just feel more free. It's 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 been a huge shift and uh, a positive shift that I'm really thankful for. Actually, I feel that I hated working in a tie. That's why yeah, that's why the bow ties fire. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you look really good, but uh, it's it's hard to mm-hmm. you know move around, and sometimes the suit. Now the suits are getting tighter and tighter and tighter, so <laughs> you know, it's just hard to like maneuver and move around, and you're sweating half the time, and it's just. Oh. Uh, my blood pressure is far better with the, uh, with, with, oh, I bet. I bet. honestly, the biggest thing for me is remembering to bring a change of clothes if I have to wear dress clothes, because I'm used to working Saturday games and now I have throughout the week and I'm like, Oh shoot. Is it, is it a game day? Oh man, I have to bring clothes and you can't work I have to change. Them. I have to figure out work how to change. Clothes. No, I'm not going to work yeah. in dress clothes. Can't work in those. Well, half the time I'm like still setting up or I'm walking by because I forgot something on the court and everybody's getting ready and I'm still in like jeans and a sweatshirt. (laughs) Wearing that tonight or like, why not? But no, then I, then I change. Uh, It's it's enough that if I do forget something, then I can run home. Uh, That's nice. I try to try to do a better job of planning and preparing (laughs) so that I can uh, 
I mean, I think wearing, having to wear suits for a long time made me prepare to bring all the stuff, but I've definitely forgotten a few items on the road, socks, belts, mm-hmm. those sort of things. And sometimes you may not be sure. that close to a, uh, a, you know, store to go buy something. So, sometimes <laughs> so ice bags yeah, and pre-wrap reforms. Yeah. You know, you're going to be pretty resourceful on some of those things or you yes. know, before the no socks were cool, you were wearing no socks. So. <laughs> Um, so this next one is from Anonymous. They said, I give each of my players a Gatorade bottle at the beginning of the season. They always set them down behind their seat on the bench, so I have easy access to hand to them when they sub in and out. It's easy for me to walk behind the bench to check on everyone, give them towels, etc. I love it, especially at home games, but sometimes when we travel and the bench isn't set up the same and I can't do that, then I just stand off at the end of the bench. That, uh, that seems like that's a lot of work. <laughs> Well, my thing is, I know my kids would just lose them. What do you mean lose them? I thought you did individual. Wait, like I took it as like gave them at the beginning of the season. Like they had it and they brought it. Oh, I I don't know. I don't think so. I wouldn't trust the kids to do that. They would lose it. She probably writes or they probably write the names. And then potentially they keep them. Um, But you can't not trust a, a basketball player to ever bring their own bottle. Uh at any point in time to practice or <laughs> to home or, you know, again, like three days later after getting, receiving the bottle, it's gone. That's the, <laughs> and then a month later, they'll find it full of mold because they filled it up with Gatorade. So, you know, uh, I, I, we, I've done a variation, right? Like you want to try to be hygienic and mm-hmm. allow everybody to have their own bottle, but one loses it and then they don't have their bottle and that sort of stuff. And for me, uh, trying to figure out who's on the court and then um, and then changing out the bottles because mm-hmm. of the bones and stuff. And then trying to, when we have timeouts, we don't do timeouts on the bench either. So that's a, that's a kind of a big change for division one versus uh, other settings, right? Is that, you know, you usually do the timeouts on the bench. So it's far easier to facilitate that. And so uh, I usually just have a six pack of bottles that I throw in the middle of the timeout and then say, here you go. Just don't put your mouth on it. And then, you know, uh, they're going to spread their germs. However, they're going to spread their germs. But, um, for me, uh, and for the longest time I've tried to get out of doing any type of water, um, you know, on the road, it's, it's more difficult, um, mm-hmm. because of the resources and the amount of people that uh, they don't bring. Right. But home games is far easier. And it's really the perception of the being that water boy, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're healthcare professionals and uh, you want that perception to change. And so there's other people that can do the water, pass out the Gatorade cups and that sort of stuff. And so I've really continued to try to pass that to somebody else and, and really kind of shift that perception. And there's times that I just can't do that, but. You know, I think that's an important piece, and that's what I learned from early on with Julie. And, you know, it's a perception of kind of shifting that from being the water boy to, you know, you're a healthcare professional. And so you need to be ready for anything. And when you're passing out waters, sometimes you can't do the things that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. during the game. So that was a big shift and a big, a big emphasis for me moving throughout my career. Um, and, it's an athletic trainer's dream. Yeah. And well, and plus some of these teams have a million team managers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, exactly. Exactly. And we, and we are, we have a luxury sometimes, some years we have uh, four or five, six managers and some years we only have a couple. And then when we travel, we don't have the budget to bring everybody. And so having those chairs that we bring onto the court somebody's going to bring those on so then somebody's also got to bring the towels and somebody else has to bring the water so inherently you know one of those duties um and because i try to pass the water to somebody else i i just i do the towels for the most part you know i can grab the towel and i'll toss them to the players and so then you know i just continue to try to give it to somebody else um you know so Plus the water, the water on the court, man, like, like during the, was like the 32nd or like when, if they're doing the timeout away from the bench, the drops of water they get on the court, they got to clean that up. 
Well, that's a big, yeah, that's obviously, yeah. I have a lot of frustrations with the uh, chairs on the court, but (laughs) I'm not going to change it. So, you know, you try to, and and it depends on venues and places that Mm -hmm. you go to uh, that they will have um, the floor sweepers or the, the event managers or the event personnel to help come over and then sweep it up and, and wipe it up or wipe up the, the wet spots so that other times, you know, I'm down there on the floor and wiping <laughs> up too. And so you, know, you, you pick and choose your battles sometimes. Yep. Randy, you did individual bottles last year. I numbers. did. I did. How and was, hard was that to manage? Well, I, I learned it from Jamie when I was a student. So I, I was used to it. Mm-hmm. I liked it because I got to like really focus who was on the floor, mm-hmm. but also my team was fairly small right so it was quite easy i know some of these teams can get pretty big i think the real question is would you do it again logistically yes like for the game but like cleaning it just cleaning the bottles in general is a pain because you got to clean the caps and then where i was at my facility was not very conducive to cleaning Cleaning. (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a hard aspect right yes You know, I've, I've done individual bottles, right, uh, for each player, especially for practice. But, you know, I found the challenge is you put them down, right, and then they move from one end to the next end to the next end, and then mm-hmm. they move the bottles sometimes, and then sometimes they don't, and then they're sharing, they end up sharing the bottles anyway. <laughs> so you just write uh, MBB on top of the bottle and say, here you go, and good luck. You're, you're going to get caught. So let's move into kit must-haves. Yes, this one is by Spencer P. Essentials for me are eye drops, blood buster, gauze, power flex, ibuprofen, biofreeze, uh, leave on leave on top of the 10-gallon for easy access. All uh, very important aspects. I, I don't use the blood buster anymore. I utilize a, uh, a brand called Formula 10. Uh, seems to work and I don't even know where to get it anymore. I just still have it. Um, works really, really good for all types of blood stuff. Really quick, really efficient. Um, nice. and I've used it for a long time, probably since I got back at Fullerton in 2014 mm-hmm. and we still have bottles left, but, uh, cause we don't use it that often, but, mm-hmm. uh, super efficient. So that's a big one, obviously. Especially for basketball, you have to remove any type of blood on type, on the jersey uh, as quickly as you can. Home jerseys, white jerseys are horrible, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you're just constantly feel like you're constantly. Some games you're just always cleaning blood. It doesn't matter. You go through 400 pairs of gloves <laughs> during the game and a whole bag of gauze. Um, PowerFlex is a big one. Um, PowerFlex with the pad, that uh, mm-hmm. the absorbent pad in there that I'll utilize sometimes, um, but just regular PowerFlex. Mm-hmm. I'll have mustard packets as a big thing. Do they work? I don't know, but um, hey, you like them? The players seem to think <laughs> they work, so great. Hey, placebo's a thing. Yeah, no doubt. And then I have this other, um, and I'm blanking on the name at this point in time, but. It's like this rehydrating foam something. I rub it on cramps. Ooh. It seems to. Oh, fuel. Is it fuel? fuel? Yeah, fuel. Thank you. I don't know why I know that because I've never used that. It's, I don't know uh, where that you saw it at NATA, <laughs> yeah. huh? At the expo. I don't know. I don't know why I know what that is. That's where I initially found it and uh, had a sample bottle, and I think I used it one time, and I was like, wow. I don't know if it works, but it seems to stop their cramp pretty effectively. Like once they start to cramp, like you, you just need time, right? Like in, yeah. in basketball, you don't have time you right. need to get back out there. So here's some tools and things that you can throw on there and they think that it might be working. And I don't know if it is, but you, you, you make do with it. And, uh, and that seems to be one product that I have to have because okay. it might work. And I think it does work. So, um, or it helps. It, it, it helps. And for me, um, cramps are one thing that like I, I can try to prevent. And obviously we try to do certain things mm-hmm. to increase sodium content and all these other type of electrolytes and things that we can do beforehand. But, 
we know that basketball players do never do not hydrate well and eat well and do anything that they're probably supposed to do and stretch and all this and recover well. Uh, so, you know, trying to have something that when they do cramp, it decreases the, um, the, the time that they're out. So, cause once they start to cramp, it's, it's pretty difficult to, it's over. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's almost over. But, uh, I think that this product particularly helps, uh, eye drops are a big piece, right? Like that. Um, cough drops seem to be a pretty, uh, important one at time, particular time. Yeah. I know we we use hydrogen peroxide. I've always used hydrogen peroxide to get out blood. Yeah, that's what I did. Part of the reason why now is because we have literally 30 bottles of it. I don't know who ordered them, but we have so much. I know some people use contact solution to get it out too. Oh, I haven't tried that. Contact solution, but blood buster, hydrogen peroxide. Blood buster is obviously a pretty. That's a big one big one there. i've never really used blood buster actually yeah, i, I would have peroxide. it but yeah peroxides might go too i've usually used peroxide i'm pretty big fan of the uh formula 10 one hmm. it's, uh, it's like straight it. on yeah. and then like wipe 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 and it's gone <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty impressive i don't even know if they still make it i'm still using the old bottle <laughs> <laughs> hey you, you got a ration that then just in case yeah <laughs> Now, the worst is when the blood's on the court. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, I haven't had too many of that. And knock on wood now. Yeah, really. <laughs> gotcha, Kyle. Uh, I haven't had too many instances where that's been a huge problem, right? Yeah. You'll get, dro- you know, you'll get drops in here and there, you know, but not 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 excessive. Yeah. Yet. Until now. Until next week, probably. Yeah. Look, look, look at what we've done. <laughs> so we have this next one um audric w my top three craziest basketball injuries in no particular order an athlete was elbowed in the cheekbone and just shrugged it off he went to blow his nose after practice and blood filled his eye while his cheekbone was swollen instantaneously he ended up having an orbital fracture damn during a basketball game an opposing player head struck the mouth of my athlete and split his top lip into two pieces. I actually put it back together with steri strips and skin stitch and then sent him to the ER. He needed quite a bit of stitches for that one. And then three, two of my athletes bumped heads during practice. One bit through his tongue and the other bit through their top lip. For the orbital fracture, he finished practice and everything. He thought he might just have a bruise. He was at home and then he tried to blow his nose. So when he called me, all I could do was refer him to urgent care. Fun fact, the three orbital fractures I've all I've had all presented similarly, and they had no clue until they went home, blew their no, nose, and instant swelling. I'm curious of the nose blowing as well, since three of them presented immediately after, which is obviously highly contraindicated. Um, for him, urgent care just took images to make sure it wasn't a surgical case, and then recommended he take four weeks off and then come back. Basically, it was a wait-and-see situation because it was a clean break with no malalignment he mm-hmm. came back to play without a face mask either <laughs> wow yeah i mean obviously a lot of times when you fracture that orbit you know then you're opening that sinus cavity so when you do blow your nose then you're getting that pressure that pops through mm-hmm. um i just had a guy the other day i didn't have an orbital fracture but i did he got struck right right in that area and he was checking him out and had him i always have him like blow their nose i'll have them clinch you know, plug their nose and blow into it and increase that pressure to see and then i'll obviously have them look up and down and all that kind of stuff but uh, luckily i haven't had that i've heard definitely heard instances where that's a big big issue um, a lot of lacerated a lot yeah. of lacerations to the the eyebrow you know area for you know i had a guy right in the eyelid area Ooh, wow. a couple about a month ago maybe um he was right in the fold, right in the crease. So, like, when he opens his eye, you couldn't really tell. When he closed it, you know, then you can tell. So I was like, I always, and for me, any facial thing, I always try to refer for a stitch just because it's their face. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I want them to have, you know, as nice of a face as they came in with, uh, as, as whatever, as relative as that may sound. But, <laughs> 
you know, I, I don't want them to have a gigantic scar there, especially, yeah. when, and I, I'm pretty good at steady strips, but, uh, you know, not that good. Um, so I always try to, I always try to stitch a face. Um, and so, but this, this individual was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. If you send, send me to, uh, I'm not going, you know, if once I walk out of the room, I'm just not going anywhere. So I, I ended up, um, gluing it shut. Oh, okay. And it looked pretty bad, but not nah, it looked all right. Um, but a lot of facial lacerations. Um, I had, I've had a pretty, pretty crazy, um, nosebleed, uh, this past year, um, non-con no contact injury issue or anything like that wasn't struck in the face Mm -hmm. just just uh one practice like sniffed or whatever and you know irritated the blood vessel on there and just came in and he is just pouring and gushing out blood like this thing is like just profusely bleeding out his nose nose plug after nose plug after nose plug ice compression just trying to close it all the above and just and he's so incompetent to help throughout the process <laughs> that like, you just, you get fr- so frustrated because he just doesn't know what to do. Um, and so we finally, I just grab and pinch and I am pinching his nose so hard <laughs> that, uh, that it finally started to slow and is able to change it out a little bit. Nice. Um, and I think I finally took a tampon and stuck a tampon in there and, and that thing just because the nose plugs just weren't working, you know, you yeah. take a plug, crimp it and put it up there and it just wasn't doing the justice. And so took a tampon and shoved it in there and uh, worked. The issue was I was like, we're leaving tomorrow to Hawaii and <laughs> I don't want you to have another nosebleed on the airplane. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately like some of the doctor and they didn't really do anything cause there wasn't much to do. And so we get to Hawaii, uh, we kept it lubed up and all that kind of stuff. And, and so that hopefully it wouldn't irritate the blood vessel in there. And we didn't really in- entirely know why it was occurring. Um, get to Hawaii, um, get off the airplane and this is through COVID. So you have to like individually check in and go through that process of, uh, of the screening and mm-hmm. we get through and he and I get to the baggage claim and I'm already there and waiting blah 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 and I get a call he's like hey my nose is bleeding <laughs> I'm like where are you <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'm somewhere in the airport and it's like well <laughs> can you get to baggage claim and he's like I don't know where he's like I don't know where that's at <laughs> like great so he eventually finally gets down there probably five minutes later and he's he's we have to wear masks, right? So he's he's got a mask on, and it's just filled with blood. Oh, old blood because he's still dripping. He's yeah. Know what to do. And I didn't, I didn't give him anything. Not that he would mm-hmm. know what to do with it, but um, he it, and blood's everywhere. Like it, it's on his hands, <laughs> it's down his white shirt, it's on the back of his head. Oh my gosh! It's all over his headphones. Like, and we it's get a murder to scene. Back. And there's no towels. There's no paper towels in there. <laughs> like it's all just hand dryers and all that. And so, and then he's just bleeding all over the sink and you're trying to clean it up. And so I was like, oh, well, I had a little kit, a little baggie of stuff that I kept in my backpack and I had a couple of tampons. So I shoved one up in there and I'm trying to clench it off from there and trying to clean up all the stuff and his arms and everything. And, and then, you know, bleeds through. So then I take it out and he's still bleeding and I, and I take the applicator and I shove it in there as far as I can. And I shove the tampon into his nose and it pushes the clot in through <gasps> and out and into his mouth. Oh. Gagging on the, and he coughs up the clot. And I'm like, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> and luckily enough, I kind of like slowed it down enough to mm-hmm. get some things rolling and clean some stuff up. And uh, later he ended up going to get that thing cauterized, but, uh, Thank goodness. It, it works either very, very efficiently, but, uh, that was an interesting one. That was probably the worst nosebleed I've ever had that like, you just could not control. And that's wild. And basketball players are fairly incompetent, uh, of self-care. <laughs> <laughs> they so, need, 
Kyle, they need, need help. Yes. So Lots of it. I don't think this would work in that case. But have we you don't ever know. have you ever used the the heel stomp trick? Uh, no, but uh, I did hear about that probably afterwards. Uh-huh. No, I've heard about it before, but I just didn't think of it in that case. But. I'm so, I'm afraid to do it. I've really? heard, you I've haven't heard done it. Success. I've heard people do it. I've I've heard people do it and it works, but like I'm afraid I to talk do about it. This all it's the not time. gonna it's not gonna I'm work. That and then they're gonna look at me it. like, oh, well, that was stupid. What'd you do? I've done it every single since I have heard about it. I've done it every single time, and it's only not worked for me once. And it was like this little kid, and I wasn't gonna really? hit this little kid. So my so his dad did it, but beating kids. Yeah, I see exactly. I wasn't gonna do it. So hey, if you get the approval from the parents, <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, I'm just gonna smack your kid heel three times. <laughs> hey, you know, and if it stops the nosebleed, then that's <laughs> a win. I uh, then I didn't have uh, this like QR. Uh, I think it's called QR. This little um, blood stop stuff, basically. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. scrub it in the nose. Uh, super efficient, but because uh, he then subsequently bled a couple other times, like one during a game and mm-hmm. on the bench, but uh, it started to bleed. And so I used that and uh, it works pretty well, but uh, because of the powder, it makes you sneeze. <laughs> so, so he's there and he just like sneezes out this big clot of blood. And, you know, oh. Had some experiences from that guy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Man, look at that. Just one guy. Just one. Yeah, it was uh, quite the interesting – because we couldn't find anything either. We didn't necessarily mm-hmm. – I mean, they tried to clot uh, – they went in and tried to cauterize the area, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to do it a couple different times, which was pretty painful for them, but it oh. just didn't take. Um, and then they're like, well, maybe it will you know, progressively kind of clot and – did a CT scan to make sure there wasn't anything crazy and going on in the sinus cavity and the nose and all that kind of stuff. And Man. nothing. And wow. eventually it just kind of stopped. But um, yeah, uh, some, some interesting ones. Luckily I haven't had any significant lip issues, uh, oh. but uh, we did have one in another sport this past year that had a pretty significant one. And those are important to get like a, a plastic surgeon to mm-hmm. those so that you can, so that they can look semi-normal afterwards. <laughs> hey. And I, I was surprised Audric submitted the story and he's like, yeah, I got the, the lip in two pieces. And I, I mean, he glued it and stereo strips, but I was like, I don't even try stereo strips on the lip. I usually just, I yeah. feel like they just fall off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that and then, you know, as long as it's not profusely bleeding, and you know, I mean, you can make it a little bit more comfortable, but they're going to take them off anyway when they get to the ER. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, sometimes you do an excellent job of stereo stripping the area, and and it looks great, and it's probably just as good as the stitch. And then they go there and they rip it all off, and it takes forever to get it off because you put so much glue down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stick all the stereo strips on and then they then they just do a terrible job of suturing the area so you know he, you're damned if you do and damned if you yeah. don't <laughs> hey you know what i did have a athlete one time i told them when they went to the er for stitches i was like hey ask for the plastic surgeon do it as a joke i didn't think they were going to ask because this girl like she was in high school mm-hmm. and i guess like i think it was homecoming i don't know a certain dance was coming and it was on her face so i was oh. like oh well you know Okay. You, you want to make sure you get a nice, you know, one tube jacked up of a scar. And they, I texted her to make sure, like I texted the mom and stuff. And I said like, Hey, like, how's everything going? And I'm like, Oh yeah, we're just waiting for the plastic surgeon. I'm like, Oh my God, you actually really did it. <laughs> they probably had to uh, wait an extra three hours, but I, I think so. <laughs> they were there a while. Yeah. They're like, this Usually is they're not sitting around. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least, but usually they're on call. <laughs> All right, so this next one's by Anonymous. When I was a GA at a high school during a Saturday afternoon varsity basketball game, they had a few band students plan to play the national anthem. The announcer told everyone to rise for the playing of the national anthem. So everyone was quiet and turned to watch the band members walk in. Well, the last student fainted in the doorway of the gymnasium. Everyone just stared. You could hear a pin drop. 
So in dead silence, I attended the band player who came to and was fine. Just hadn't eaten anything and must have been standing with his knees locked for a while when waiting to come in. <sighs> Gotta hate that. I handed him off to the AD to take care of calling the parent, and I went on to cover the game. So that happened. Varsity boys basketball game against rival school. Players were fighting for the ball, and player on the other team went down and fooshed on the floor, dislocating his elbow. It happened right in front of the student section. My boys team literally ran off the floor, and one of my frequent flyers was like, oh, Rachel, have fun with that. I heard it crack. Ooh. I managed the injury with splinting and sending to the ER with parents because he was handling it really well and had good PMS. Pulse motor sensation. Okay. I was like, oh, good for him. <laughs> That's tough. It, yeah. It was, it was super deformed and already bruised badly immediately. I think this was a unique injury to manage because it was basketball. Everyone in the crowd is up close and can see pretty much everything. So AT is really under the spotlight, even more so than with field sports. I definitely had to manage the crowd, coaches, and other players in addition to the injury. I had to tell an assistant coach to look away because he looked ripe to puke. <laughs> one, of, one of my girl basketball players who saw it happen in the stands had to go to the locker room and calm down and was having some shock symptoms. I was glad I had a towel on my hip on my hip kit to cover up the arm to spare the spectators, players, coaches, refs, etc. Moral of the story, always carry, carry a towel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a big piece to it. You know? <laughs> uh, I always teach that in class as well. Like, you know, you got to control everybody else half the time opposed to the – usually the player is pretty calm. You know, yeah. everybody else is freaking out. So mm -hmm. you, it, covering up – Primarily, first and foremost, is going to be a big piece to that. Yeah. Um, you know, in basketball is that challenge because everybody is so close, mm -hmm. right? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, in different settings, high school and whatever, the parents probably feel more inclined to come down and, and mm -hmm. be right into the – get it right into the environment. Um, you know, if you're in football and, and – Usually there's a fence and some things and barricades that kind of keep people out a little bit. And so you can kind of do your job, but basketball right there and everybody wants to quote unquote help. Right? So, you know, staying, staying away is probably more, more help than, than anything. Um, luckily I haven't had a dislocated elbow. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's so true. What you were saying about people coming down from the stands because I just in football, like two weeks ago, I had a dislocated yes, elbow. Yes, you did. And we, the, the parents were there, so they took him. He was pretty calm. And it was actually a maze to try to figure out how to get the parents down from the stands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the venue is not that big, I'm sure, you know, but it's difficult to manage that aspect, right? And then, you know, the coaches are probably no help usually in, in a lot of those situations and you train them and you talk to them about certain all those uh, emergency situations about what to do and how to manage it and how to handle it and how we're going to get out of the uh, area but mm -hmm. once it happens like dude's puking on the sideline you know like yeah no help <laughs> yeah I, I always teach my my students here's my oh shit kit and here's my oh shit towel yeah yeah <laughs> Cover it up, and, and this is what we need. I know. That's always the tough thing is because, like, you, you need the, the support staff to, like, help you, like, in certain situations, and you tell them, and, like, you educate them, <laughs> and they're all on board. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the minute the thing happens, they're freaking out. It's like, bro, I, I just need you to get your cell phone. <laughs> that's yeah. all I need you to do. Just need you to call 911. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. So speaking of 911. So Kaylee S. submitted a story of my last basketball EMS story. Uh, it was a gnarly broken collarbone that was split long ways. The kid was a trooper. Came off, to the, came off the court yelling, don't look, guys. I got him immediately and I, I got to him and immediately covered it with a towel and slung and swathed. Sw Is that how you say that? Swathed. I would say swathed. Of course, left the deformity out. 
It was one small move away from being compound. I could see that the break was sharp and I was glad the immobilization was so solid. I activated EMS because of the severity and deformity and he kept insisting that he could wait until the end of the game and take an Uber. He was so worried about inconveniencing anyone and was being so sweet. Ambulance got to us and he gave me a one-arm hug and told me it was I was the best thing since sliced bread. I won't forget that last part because weirdly enough, I say that all the time. Nice. It's probably where you got it from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. He wanted to Uber. Yeah. I haven't had a broken collarbone. Uh, probably. I just think that sounds really painful. I, it's like uh, too close to the face. And I don't like, I don't like face things. Well, I mean, obviously that was, uh, pretty significant as well with, you know, almost being a compound fracture. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had a referee one time. This is way back in my early career that I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Still don't, but, uh, uh, it was more of a AC sprain and, uh, the thing was just sticking up. No, nice. And uh, no fractures, you know, I, I, kind of ruled that out but i was like i don't know man you know blah 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 but this thing was just now that i think about it it was sticking up and i clearly missed a a gigantic ac sprain but um and no true clavicles in basketball it's hard to do in basketball you know it's not like Mm -hmm. it's not a common one obviously you can come down with an elbow or something into that area but it's not too common um got some rib stuff that's no. pretty, pretty common, but I'm not going to necessarily activate EMS in, in those situations. We don't, I mean, obviously we don't have EMS on site at our games. When I was at a different institution, we did. Um, luckily, didn't have to utilize them that often. Um, trying to think if uh, we've done anything recently or even in my career. Um, in, after games, I have. <laughs> I, I remember one story in particular that I know what you're talking about. After. Yeah, I, had a guy, I had a guy pass out, hyperventilate uh, in the locker room after yeah. the game. Oof. That might have been the one. Um, I remember that one. Ran, set, got the AD, wasn't necessarily sure uh, what was going on. Um, it's probably not my finest moment of things, but still alive still doing well well what what's tough is like it's after the game so you're like already in like all right i'm ready to go home mode and like you're not thinking anything's gonna happen i was in the hallway chatting with people <laughs> and, you know, they're like hey so-and-so went down in that locker room so you're like we had just lost you know so i didn't know what it was and yeah. what was going on and get in there and he's just like just uncontrolled you know just his respirations were super rapid and Ooh. a lot of it just wasn't, wasn't really alert. And so ended up calling after a little bit. So, you know, and kind of ruled everything out. Once the EMS showed up, he kind of started to calm down and started to come back and, and, uh, chatted with him a little bit. And then, and then after, uh, let him go home and after everything was pretty normal at that point, then, mm-hmm following days kind of ruled everything out but you know in those instances and those moments you know you just kind of have to remain calm like Mm -hmm. we want everybody else to do and kind of check off one thing after the other after the other and you know and and, uh go through the process but that was an interesting one that was for sure interesting all it took was ems to get there and everything was better it's usually how it happens right (laughs) like you know anytime i send my kids to the doctor like they're fine the next day so like why did I go to the doctor? <laughs> you know, when I call it, as soon as EMS shows up, the kid's fine, right? Like, you know, we call EMS far more times for other sports than basketball games. It seems like that's good. Um, we had someone who actually submitted a story pretty similar, uh, anonymous. I had a high school male basketball player come off the court for a timeout and pass out on the bench. It was the end of a close game, and he had played the entire game. Myself and the girls coach immediately went to check on him and he began having what looked like a seizure with no history of seizures. Once he was still too still, I was reaching for his wrist to check for a pulse and he woke up. A parent slash nurse had already called 911, so we took him to the locker room to meet the ambulance from there. He was confused and had a foggy memory of what happened. After multiple tests in the ER, he was given a pacemaker. Hmm. 
they had diagnosed it as not as a seizure, but a cardiac event. Oh, yeah. Which I feel like is, like, when I think of basketball, I think of that. Cardiac, yeah. I think of cardiac. Yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest, that's the biggest or more scary part of basketball. Mm -hmm. These guys are so big, so large. You know, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is a big piece to that, right? You always try to rule out those aspects with a, a good family history and a, a good uh, physical, but not always is that case, right? Like, you know, just even, for example, the uh, uh, blanket on his name, but the individual uh, player that was at the University of Florida, right? They have all yeah. the resources in the world, uh, all the above. Uh, you, he did have COVID at one point, but returned to activity. Everything was back to normal, the baseline. They do the echo, cardiac issues, all that kind of stuff. He plays, having playing fine, comes out of a timeout and collapses on the floor, right? Like, you don't know those instances. A mm -hmm. lot of times when you have a cardiac event, you'll get those small little seizures that look – it looks like a seizure, but it's not. Um, Interesting. You get, like, abnormal breathing as well, um, but – uh, yeah, those are always, and like my basketball player that was in the locker room, right? Those are always the instances and those are the things that you go to, like, are they having a cardiac issue? Right? And, and those, those are the things that scare me all the time, right? Like mm -hmm. you can all the tests in the world, but some, you just may have an event at some point. Yeah. You know, they can be completely fine until they're not. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's true. Yeah. So we had a couple more 911s, actually. Uh, two more. We have a dislocated ankle. Okay. This, oh, where are you saying? Oh, you can, oh. you can read. Uh, this one's by Anna. Didn't have my phone on me because I had set it down in the ATR prior to the injury. I'm worried about doing that. <laughs> no, I always have it with me. So I leave it, I charge it, and then I leave it and then i feel around in my pocket <laughs> where's my phone so then i have to run quickly to go grab it <laughs> wait wait hold on i gotta go get it wait yeah don't start the game yet i gotta get my phone <laughs> very obviously dislocated luckily circulation and neuro were intact i splinted and immediately transported to the er it spontaneously reduced i know super right. unlikely but it happened while waiting 45 minutes in triage huh Probably made him feel better. Yeah, I was going to say, look at that. Felt great after that. <laughs> I literally pulled up my phone in the ER. I literally pulled up my phone in the ER, gave her my headphones, and pulled up Finding Nemo on Netflix to help take her mind off of it. Luckily, her pain wasn't insane. The doc there tried telling me that that's impossible, and she probably just sprained it. I followed up with our team doc, and according to her x-rays, she clearly dislocated due to the gaping due to the gaping in the ankle mortise. No fracture and no tearing. She was just very loose bilaterally. She did eventually need a surgery for it. I'm, I still think the spontaneous reduction, that's pretty cool. I've heard stories where, uh, where they'll go to grab, it's just clearly dislocated, and they'll, uh, one instance where they go to grab it and go to like, hold it or test it and it just slides right back in huh. like oh great like uh we had a we had a one dislocation stepped on third base this is baseball obviously mm -hmm. but stepped on third base and dislocated there looked like a fracture but uh after they went to the er and all that kind of stuff it was not um, not a fracture but that's pretty hard to do as well like not fracture when you dislocate right like mm -hmm. yeah I mean, the ankle is not made to go that direction generally, um, that yeah. far. But it de obviously depends on which direction it goes. But and it's very difficult, unless you're super lax, not to tear anything. Yeah. When you dislocate, that 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 surprises me. That's, that's and you know, I've got some basketball players with some pretty loose ankles, and we haven't dislocated yet. So fingers crossed, not all good. <laughs> Yeah, and more knocking on wood in this episode. Not a lot of knocking on wood tonight, so. <laughs> Man, you might have a busy week upcoming. Yeah, I already have a busy week, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep, keep it less knocking on wood now. 
<laughs> this one's just kind of crazy. This one's also anonymous. I had to call EMS at a basketball game for a fractured femur. Oh. It was weird because it was a non-contact MOI. Our point guard took a pass and had to cut really hard to avoid a defender when he fell and lost the ball out of bounds. He was calm and told me that he heard a pop as he was trying to cut up court. He couldn't identify the spot of pain just everywhere from hip to knee. He was stuck on his side, but the injured side was on the bottom. I started my bony eval at the hip just to make sure it was still in. And then I actually took a look at the femur and noticed that his quad was really big. Hmm. At that point, we acted EMS based on the observation and his pain level. Athlete's dad had actually just walked into the gym and noticed his son was, was down, and he asked me what I thought. I told him I suspected a femur fracture, and he was blown away because he sees those all the time, albeit in a different population. The dad is an MD. Hmm. Use my phone light to show the dad the size of his thigh, and he did agree with my diagnosis. Athlete ended up having surgery that night, and dad thanked me for the professionalism and using reasoning to identify the injury. Thankful. I, I haven't had to deal with one of those. That's incredible. You know, uh, especially in that population of age. That's right. Right. So random. Yeah, it is. It's really random. Yeah. I was, I was like, man, there's gotta be something underlying. Oh, I had to. Usually that's the case, right? Like there's not too many reasons that you just spontaneously fracture. Fresh. Like we had a, a, a basketball manager, fracture his femur but i think he came down from a jump or he was landing mm-hmm. out or something weird he was playing maybe a pickup game or something and uh this might have been before i got to fullerton as a graduate assistant but okay he was later a manager after that but he yeah he fractured his femur <laughs> crazy like it's not super common in basketball <laughs> <laughs> and especially because these guys have such long levers right like like those femurs are pretty big in some of these individuals, and they're not oh, that yeah. some of them aren't that strong either. But you know, there's generally an underlying condition. Jesus, <laughs> speaking of big femurs, I was stretching one of my guys last year, and he was on the floor. I'm stretching his hamstring, and he, he looks at me, he's like, My leg's almost as tall as your body. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> so, we took a picture, his, his foot yes. is like. What I think it might either my chin yeah. or my cheek. It was yeah, I'd say around there. Yeah, you have a strong base of support though. You're right there. You can just you know, lean into it, and you're good to good to go with this. All the leverage. Yeah. yeah. Some of these guys are pretty big though. Right? Yeah. Very lanky. Lanky. Some of these legs are heavy. <laughs> I've gotten. I, I I give it to our strength coach now. Uh, I've gotten out of trying to stretch guys before games and. Just kind of stand off to the side and used to be far more active and involved than I, when I was younger. <laughs> I was going to say. My old age, I, I like to just kind of observe. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a lot getting down on the core and like uh, moving these legs. Gotta get I think up. you mean supervise. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're wearing a suit, you know, then when we go back to the suits, right? Like a shirt and a tie and you're sweating before the game. And it's not it's a good look. It's not fun. No. <laughs> All right. Tip, got, tips and tricks now? We got one more. This is the last right. listener story. Um, this one's also anonymous. Like half of them. <laughs> All of them. Nobody wants to. No one wants to no. own up to work in basketball. <laughs> um, stay as organized as possible. Basketball moves at light speed compared to sports like baseball or volleyball. The season will definitely compare to baseball. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. The season is long and the game schedule can be a lot. The more on top of things you are, the easier it is to manage weeks without a day off. Also, you get to know how each hand athlete handles injury. If you step on the court during a game, the athlete must also be subbed out. So if they're a tough kid, but on the more dramatic side and you step on the court too soon, you risk having to waste a sub or time up. Which I think is one of the worst. That to me is like trying to figure out the quote-unquote politics behind all that sometimes it's like okay i'm just going to stand off the side of the court and talk to you and i'm not going to i'm not going to step over this line yeah i try to wait as long as i can unless uh you know unless it looks pretty apparent that you know they're going to be in in need um try to give them a moment to Mm -hmm. 
get up and 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 normally the referee's going to come over and ask them if they need anything and and then and wave you on if you need to and the nice part about basketball you're so close generally um unless mm-hmm. it's on the other end but you know then i gotta run all the way down there to half the time i don't even run anymore but um you know they it's uh it's it's playing a little game mm-hmm. to figure out when you need to go out there and, and knowing your players right and and i always say like basketball you have you do have you only have 15 guys right maybe or or women depending mm-hmm. on what sport you cover but they are 15 different entirely different individuals that need different things at any different point in time they and one person will look like they're dying the other person will just bounce right back up all right and it's so it's difficult to it's difficult to manage and that's why i just kind of leave them down there for as long as they (laughs) need sometimes to get back up and and obviously if it looks more like a head spine yeah. then you know you're out there pretty quick but you know if it's they go down and they kind of are moving around a little bit then you kind of look and see and they, they eventually pop back up but you know the blood the blood one's a big piece right i only you only get 20 seconds too right to to conceal, stop the bleeding and conceal it as best as you can. And then they can return. So a lot of times, like my coaching staff's really good now that they'll, they'll sub them out anyway. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, they're, if they look injured or something that they'll rather sub them out quickly so that they can get assessed or just take a moment and then go right back in because then they can get a, a fresh, a fresh individual in there, a fresh body to, kind of go back and play but um it's a it's a it's kind of a cat and mouse game a little bit yeah see that was my favorite thing with uh soccer is um if i'm going out there right same thing they gotta be subbed out even though some refs are very lax on that rule your refs are i feel like yeah it was hit or miss some followed and some didn't really care but go back in whatever i don't care yeah and I always used it to our advantage. I would walk the longest way to get our mm-hmm. our girls off because I was like, you know what? If anything, they like the break. Because even even during um, this past weekend, it was our conference tournament. We were going into overtime, and um, one of our girls got hurt and went out there. And I started walking. And one of the girls was like, "You need help, like carrying." Like, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk. <laughs> I feel like some of your games have been so hot too. Yeah, this year was hot. That's the nice thing about basketball. It's oh yeah, the indoor life's not bad. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, you don't get any sun, but <laughs> you don't get rain. And that's true. It's uh, generally a pretty comfortable <laughs> environment, uh, and when we travel, right? Like you go from the airplane or the bus to the hotel. Hotel to the bus, bus to the arena. You're outside in the in Ten elements minutes. for five <laughs> seconds, maybe. You know, <laughs> so you you can't beat it. It makes you a little uh, a little soft in a way. <laughs> Spoiled, I guess, would be a better term to say. <laughs> there you go. So the, but it is nice. I like to I like to change it up every so often and go cover a, a baseball or or a soccer and sort of. No, no. You know what, Kyle? You know what I've noticed you're doing now? You're covering some track. track. Yeah, <laughs> you're covering track now. Uh, cross country, to be exact. Hey, the sport of kings, right there, sir. Um, I do, I do, I I do have a new appreciation for the sport. Um, I I do think it's re. I mean, I know that they're running at their mm-hmm. peak. Yeah, ability and their full exhaustion when they get to the end, but I still feel like it's a little dramatic. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think if I was the race the way that they race, I would probably die at the end. <laughs> well, I wouldn't make it to the end. So yeah, it, clearly I know that for a fact <laughs> because I've seen you try to run a race and you did. Yeah, that's right. Pure so. athleticism. <laughs> Pure. 
And Hybrickson both your knees on the stairs. Yeah, that was brutal. I think you still have problems, right? Here. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty brutal. <laughs> I felt that one in my spine. You know, it, but yeah, it, yeah. That was bad. Don't again. Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've expanded my knowledge. Um, my coverage depth is <laughs> greater now. I've two cross country events on the books. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting outside a little bit. I, I don't like it, but I'm getting out there. What else we got? That's all I got. Um, and I guess uh, probably the last thing for me is for the AT that has never worked basketball. And oh, all is this the, an action item? I guess so. In a non-interview episode, we'll go with an action item. For the AT that has never worked basketball, all of a sudden, hey, they're in it. They're working it. What would be your biggest advice? I, I don't... I don't think it's any different than any other sport. Mm-hmm. Right? If you've worked football, you can work basketball. Right? If and and I've worked basketball for a long time, right? And but I can I can go cover a football game if I want to. I don't want to. So <laughs> right? The how you treat injuries, how you prepare for games, how you manage the athletes across the board of this thing. Um, I think understanding the demands of the sport are always the differences. When can I go out for a timeout? When can I, what is the operation that we do things? Uh, what, where do I sit during the game? Um, you know, those, those simple aspects to the, the, that process, um, you know, and, and just enjoying the game, right? Enjoy, enjoy the competitiveness. I, th- I think basketball, like we talked about already, is, is so much more demanding than some sports. And so the competitive pace, the pace of play, things happen really, really quick. And so probably the biggest point is you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared for the most catastrophic event, right? Like it probably won't happen in sports like football. It's probably going to happen at some point, right? Like you're going to have that dislocated elbow. You're going to have somebody blow out their knee. You're going to have to see spine somebody. Basketball is that sport that you have to be prepared and you're probably going to tape somebody's ankle. Right, like, uh, or pass out a cup of Gatorade. Um, but you have to make sure you have all the things because once you don't, or when you don't, that's when you're going to need them. So, being prepared for those events is always, and I always tell our students, like, you know, what are you looking for? What, you know, what's going on in this play? You know, you're watching the ball here, but what's going on in here? over on the other side. Sorry, I'm pointing off the screen. You can't even see where I'm going. <laughs> uh, I do that a lot of work too. <laughs> um, you know, what, what are, what are the things you're looking for? And so, you know, just paying attention to the game, being prepared, like I said, 400 times already. And, and, you know, and, and just transferring your skills that you've learned from any other sport, to basketball is, is no different. And, and, you know, you know, that's why I always encourage students and, and anybody that wants to switch to a sport. And I, I got stuck with basketball. Like I liked basketball. I started to work basketball, uh, at a very young point in my career. I was right out of undergrad. I got the intern position at university of Pacific. I worked women's basketball for a year, uh, which is a great opportunity. You got challenged a lot and continued uh, and and had an opportunity to come down to Fullerton for graduate school and work basketball, which was great because it was it was my sport, right? Like I got to work autonomously and, and kind of do it. I didn't have to work under anybody essentially. Um, obviously, I had a lot of guidance and all that. And then the f- only jobs that really that were out there right after grad school were basketball jobs. 
Um, got the job at Fresno. Uh, got crushed for a couple <laughs> years. Uh, great experience. Um, and then came back. I wasn't even going to work basketball when I came back to uh, at, to Fullerton. And oh, really? I was supposed to work men's soccer, but there were some changes in the staff. Mm. And I uh, probably would have loved men's soccer because uh, I wouldn't have to work on a holiday. <laughs> and I wouldn't have to miss Thanksgiving again this yeah. year. Um, you know, those sort of things. Christmas, I wouldn't have to have Christmas night practice, you know. Um, uh, and so I've, I've always really just kind of stuck with basketball, but you know, it's just been kind of the process. You know, you just kind of fall in where where it is and you kind of make do with with what, uh, what you're given. Yeah. Sweet. So I'm not kidding when I put up a single story today up on our mm-hmm. Instagram stories, just asking how people set up for basketball and it probably could have filled an entire episode. Like I'm really not nice. I did not expect that response. I feel like some episodes I'm like pulling teeth, <laughs> trying to get people to respond and just one question. I was like, wow, we could talk about this. Apparently people love to talk about this. Yeah, apparently. So, um, well, it, I learned a lot for sure. Oh yeah. I, I need to look up what this uh, Formula 10 is mm-hmm. and if they still make it. And also the foam stuff. The fuel. 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 Yeah, I don't know. AKA I... the foam stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, I know. Getting in that basketball mindset, That's right? right. Yeah, it, it's coming. Winter, <laughs> winter is coming. So if you guys want to weigh in on some of these things that we talked about, we do have episode threads you can comment on on our Facebook group. So if you go to facebook.com slash group slash age corner podcast, um, we're also going to put in our Facebook group, some kit must have some of the ones we talked about in this episode, some that people submitted, and then also just general advice. I think I don't remember if I have a list of those, but if I do, then I'll put that up, um, in our Facebook group. Actually, probably Randy will. <laughs> yep. That, that is, that's my duty. Um, Yeah, if you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. Education is next week. Stories will be in two weeks. And we put actually on our Facebook group a list of stories that will be upcoming. Um, If you are more of an Instagram person, that's actually where we do our call for stories. So um, up in our Instagram stories, we post prompts usually around Tuesday, Wednesday of the week. Um, And then I usually wait till the weekend to get back um, to actually get through the stories. So... Yeah, just episodes of advice. I mean, experiences from other athletic trainers and some advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of it, all I have. That's perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. Bye.